0: Hey, do you know about Secret Menu? It's the subscription tier of the A Thing or Two newsletter that goes deep. Shopping guides, market roundups, answers to reader questions, and a whole bunch of resources we swear by. Secret Menu subscribers receive an exclusive newsletter every Thursday and access to an archive of all of our content, even Monday newsletters dating back to 2012. It's 4 bucks a month and you can cancel anytime. Sign up at athingortwohq.com. 2 HQ.com. Okay, here's the show.
1: Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur.
0: And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more with this came from, a want to support us in general.
1: Head to A thing or
0: HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content.
1: To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at A Thing or Two HQ. Hi. Hi. We are recording this episode a little bit ahead of time because you're going out of vacation. So, we might be breaking news on this episode, and I just don't want everybody to know that if we break it first here, we broke it first. You know, if if yeah, we're late yeah, to I, it, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: I understand. I get your point. You get I mean, my. You want to make sure yeah. we get the credit for having recorded this too far in
1: advance. So, like, <laughs> if New York Mag or Bon Appetit does a whole issue on summer salad dressing, in between then and now, we were first to it. So here's what happened: we did an episode on summer dressing. As in
0: clothing. And there were people who thought we were talking about salad dressing. And
1: then we were like, you know, (laughs) we should. We We should should talk talk about about summer salad. salad. Yeah. I have to read you the original message though, because it was so funny. This person Allison wrote, she said, I really thought this was about summer parenthetical salad dressing. It was like, yes, I feel anxious about summer dressings too. I also hate being hot and dressings do need to be lighter. So know that your audience is here for all your hot takes on all cool things. And then I thought that was enough for me. It made my week. But then somebody did respond and was like, I also thought that.
0: It's <laughs> like, wow, okay. And then fortuitously, we re-aired a crowd-favorite episode from last year that, that included a conversation about salad bars and salad mm, construction. Mm-hmm. And then we got an incredible email from Christine, who basically wants to draw the distinction between salad design and salad construction. And well, because
1: one of the things we talked about in that episode, tell me, I may be misremembering, but I think we were talking about how it's so easy at a salad bar, at like a construct your own salad situation to fuck things up. To lose the plot. Yes, exactly. You can be making a salad at home and it's probably going to go well, but you get in front of a salad bar, you have too much power and it goes haywire. Well, and you're like, ooh, those pepitos look exactly. interesting.
0: I don't exactly. ever have pepitas in my salad. Yes. Why not?
1: Exactly. And then you just run a little wild.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So from Christine's mouth, the problem with salad bars is that the ordering process is designed to optimize salad construction rather than salad design. If you make choices in the order in which they ask you, base, protein, veggies, extras, dressing, toppings. I also just like that the orders laid out for us here. Like I like that I'm not meant to picture it. I'm not yep. having mm-hmm. to be like, let no. me put myself inside a sweet green. By the time you get to the end, you have an incoherent mess that no single dressing could hope to tie together. Now I start by choosing a dressing, which sets the theme for the salad. This does two helpful things. It makes certain options unthinkable. Pepitas, for example. Mm -hmm. So you have fewer additions to even consider. And it makes some options seem obvious for inclusion. Could also be pepitas. This requires more planning since you have to make the last decision first, but it results in an, in an edible salad.
1: That's all we're going for. Edible. Just truly
0: <laughs> edible. Just push your friend ahead of you in line while you scan the dressing.
1: I cannot tell you how impressed I was with this email. Thought leadership at its finest. Also profound because applicable to so many things. This is the same philosophy we should be applying to getting dressed in the morning. And God knows what else. Dating probably too. Like this is Correct. Design versus construction. <laughs> yes, like
0: forest through the trees. Like, yes, let's like let's step back for
1: a second, think about this philosophically, and then jump into the weeds. Christine didn't mention what she does for a living, but I I really hope she works at the White House. Or the impact needs to be felt on a larger scale. So just consider government, like the IRS, could use. this. Mm, I don't exactly, know. exactly. I don't know civil servant, know. some sort of civil servant is what I'm looking for. Can we talk about summer salad dressings? Yes. So I I never considered it before. I celebrate the sentiment. I still haven't fully wrapped my head around what it actually means. But I will say, because I don't know. It's like, yeah, sure, salad dressings could be lighter. But then if you think about some classic summer dishes like potato salad and stuff like that. And like, there's a lot of mayonnaise involved in that. Yeah, mayonnaise mayonnaise feels like a summer condiment. The one dressing that I do consistently make in the summer because like when I'll often make it for backyard hangs is this Via Corota dressing that was published in the New York Times. It's it's a salad recipe that is so absurd. It's written up by Samin Nosrat and it's it involves like washing lettuce and cutting it in five different types of lettuce in a very specific in different orders. Yeah, And I think uh-huh. you have to like layer it in different orders. I have absolutely not even Pretended that I will ever go there, but the dressing itself is very, very good. um, and via Caroda is an amazing mm-hmm.
0: Italian restaurant in the West Village in yeah. New York, yeah, well owned you, by workwives.
1: The dressing is sort of basic uh, pretty common dressing ingredients. It's got shallots, two different kinds of mustard, the whole grain and the regular Dijon, vinegar, honey. A, a lot of olive oil. In fact, you should have the olive oil. But they do, you shock the shallots in cold water, which makes a huge difference. Samin Nosrop mentions when she's writing it, she's like, the thing I've always done is soak shallots in citrus or vinegar before adding them to cut down on the bite. But this is kind of genius because you can do it really. It's like, you know, the way what people do with red onions of bathing it in ice water. But then you also add water to the vinaigrette. And Samin writes what this does so well that I'm just going to read it word for word. She says, finally, and perhaps most surprising, Williams, who's one of the owners of Via Crota, adds a spoonful of warm water to the vinaigrette. We add warm water to make it more palatable, she explained. Pure vinegar is just too strong. It assaults the taste buds. We want a salad dressing so savory and delicious that you can eat spoonfuls of it. We want you to be able to drink it. I do want to drink this dressing. It's the only vinaigrette I make anymore, and I pour it liberally over everything from boiled asparagus to faro salad to steak and fish and roast chicken. I'm this close to pouring it into a glass and topping it off with sparkling water. And she's absolutely right. It makes it so kind of drinkable. Like You can just... Drink it by the spoonful and I do, and like dip anything in it because it's just not that sharp. But it, because it has the mustard and the shallots and everything, it's it's flavorful enough without being too intense, like acidic.
0: The idea of it assaults the taste buds, I was like, but I but I like that my taste buds get assaulted. Me too. But I
1: get the point. I get the point. Well, I and you know, I love to complain about things not being acidic enough, but I there's something the water really worked. It makes it work. I and I it is kind of involved to make it. So I just make a big jar and then keep it. But it's also very fun to bring over to like a someone's inviting you over for a backyard hang or whatever, just bring over this jar of salad dressing.
0: I mean, that's a delicious idea. My thing related to this, I'm sorry, I've talked about this salad on this podcast before, and unfortunately, I will need to do it again. But Toro Bravo's radicchio salad with manchego vinaigrette, which was, came to me care of Food52. The trick for this one is that you are soaking chopped onions in vinegar, but you're then straining the, the onions out of the vinegar and using the vinegar in the dressing. So you just get like the
1: essence of red onion, which is ultimately
0: what I want. I don't actually. All anybody
1: ever wants is an essence of an allium.
0: Nobody ever wants to eat an allium. And then, you know, I can have the onions pickled in some other format later or whatever. But in a salad dressing, this just feels like the perfect, the perfect thing. The other things that I feel like qualify for in my mind as summer dressings are things that are like full bodied, but not creamy. Maybe I don't know. I want. I would like people's thoughts on what makes a summer dressing. I so we've talked on this podcast before about QP Mayo and their dressing, specifically their sesame dressing.
1: Love a good bottle dressing.
0: Love a good bottle dressing, mm-hmm. and the sesame dressing from QP is is good. And mm-hmm. you were raving about it. Yeah. But I find that like my bottle just hangs around too long, and this was until I encountered the Japanese version of this dressing, the like actual straight from Japan version. Wow, wow, it's Claire. It's totally different. Wow, and like I can't fully explain it, but they definitely use a different oil. Like mm. it has a different. The oil in the American version, you can tell it's. I don't
1: know. It just tastes like. Yeah, a no, I know oil. what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I fully believe it because also the thing about that dressing is too much of it is too much. You got too it. Too much of it is too you, much. You will tire. Of, it's really good, but you can get burnout out on it pretty quickly. And I I would buy that it's because something about whatever oil they're using. It Not doesn't this work long term. This is the new Mexican Coke is the Japanese QB dressing.
0: Yes, there's, okay, they also, if you go to Sugio Market by Japan Crate, mm-hmm. they also have a codro dressing, a creamy ginger dressing, a pickled plum dressing. Whoa, like whoa, whoa. a whole bunch of others. I feel like pickled huh. plum feels like a perfect summer dressing. I will do that. I will buy, right? okay, yeah. And they come in a different bottle, so it's very easily identifiable okay. if it's the Japanese version or the American version. And okay. most of these dressing flavors are not even offered to us on our American shelves. In general, I feel like mustard dressings feel mm-hmm. like a very summer thing. So mm-hmm. whenever I am attempting to cook for children, which is like four times a year, I always make a honey mustard
1: dressing. And you put it on salad for them? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: If if there's a salad being forced onto the table okay. and there's mm-hmm. an attempt to get the children to eat the salad, yeah. which is usually, like which is usually the case. Yeah. And so I just do honey, like French's yellow mustard, mm-hmm. like the hot dog mustard, mm-hmm. red wine vinegar and olive oil and Whenever I make it, everyone's like so impressed mm-hmm. that it's like, they're like, what is this? And like, mm-hmm. it is honey and mustard in mm-hmm. salad dressing. Like, yes, it literal is literal honey the most, mustard
1: dressing. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I also like a miso mustard dressing. Mm-hmm. And Mark Bittman has a version that's miso, soy sauce, and Dijon. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's any oil in that one. And then Samin Nostrad, who's come up again on mm-hmm. this episode now. She's a dressing, um,
1: dressing thought leader.
0: A dressing thought leader. Mm-hmm. She does a miso honey Dijon rice vinegar sesame oil one. That's good. It always makes me feel like I. Whenever I'm making any of these, it makes me feel like I should buy that Chinese hot mustard. Um, oh yeah, that's that, and stuff's that really would hot. be the thing for like a slaw or something. You know
1: where I have it from? Kings County Imperial. When you're ordering takeout, they will. They also have yes. a pantry section. They have a good hot mustard. Good to know. What are you putting the miso mustard dressing on? So there's a Mark Bittman has this
0: recipe that puts it on like steamed eggplant, and I mm-hmm. have done that, that before. But good. it's good in general, like on a steamed vegetable. Okay. Mm-hmm. that just, like, needs a little bit, like, more kick or a slaw. And, okay. like, listen, I love a summer slaw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just think a slaw in general is a genius way. To, especially, like, you want something that's going to make good leftovers. A mm-hmm.
1: slaw Yes. My, like, singular sort of true summer dressing that I really only make in the summer is ketchup mayo old bay lemon and salt and obviously so much old bay and part of the reason i do is that that's like is that russian dress i mean the old bay i know is not russian but i'm like what is this closest to
0: yeah thousand island or russian Thousand island maybe that's what i was thinking yeah yeah i put it
1: on we get like fresh crab meat a lot during the summer from the the fish place and so i like slather crab meat in it and then toss it with Butter, lettuce, and tomato, and like maybe some like cucumbers or something, and then put a little bit more. But you know it's, what? It's also, it no it's fill. also like kind of a rumelot sauce. Totally, totally. Which
0: makes it make yeah. sense with seafood, especially. Yeah. I used to, as a child, eat steak with ketchup and mayonnaise, like mm. mixed. You know what we call like- that
1: in our house? No, pink sauce. Totally. I mean, it is. It's I am so. It's sick American of it. pink sauce, and I love and rue the babysitter who introduced Cam to it. But he now can't eat his chicken nuggets or fish sticks or whatever without pink sauce. I relate.
0: I understand yeah. this.
1: Yeah, I relate.
0: Thank you so much to Shopify for sponsoring today's show. So Claire, this morning, I. Purchase something on a website that was not powered by Shopify. Um,
1: How rude!
0: Experience was rough. Like I just, I didn't know where the things were. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't know where it was. Like wait, that's an old credit card, so I have to go in and enter this information. And like, where does the promo code go? And it just took so much longer than it needed to. By virtue of the way that Shopify has programmed my brain for how these things should look and feel. Um, I think I, I know I think that. I
1: know what the website is because I attempted to make the same purchase a couple of weeks ago, got frustrated, gave up. And so I yeah, no, I You know, people get Shopify and people might actually complete their checkout process. Yeah. Love an easy checkout. Love an easy checkout. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling induction stoves or custom gibbets, Shopify simplifies selling online and in-person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, and it gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn to code. Now it's time to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash a thing or two, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash a thing or two to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to Skims for
0: sponsoring today's episode. I was just traveling for a couple of weeks and it occurred to me that I was just like such a dummy for not packing like a cozy bra. You know what I mean? Mm, Like mm -hmm, a lounge mm -hmm. bra. I don't know. It just didn't occur to me. And I was like, oh, duh. I should have brought that scoop bralette from the Skims Fits Everybody collection that I wear all the time at home. Why am I like, why? But I haven't like programmed my brain yet to do it for travel. You know what I mean?
1: Can I tell you a hot tip? I, so I've made like a, an evergreen packing list for myself with all the various categories and on it is the tweener things that the in-between close Yeah, that's a tweener bra it's an in-between this is a tweener
0: bra the other great thing about this bra besides it just being so comfy cozy is that it that they make it in part of their adaptive collection as Mm -hmm. well which means that it like hooks on the front so if you you know if you or someone you love has sort of restricted movement they could put it on without it being a whole issue
1: just look so smart so good Genius, like all of Skims. Skims is a solution oriented brand creating the next generation of underwear, loungewear, and shapewear for everybody. The Fits Everybody collection of underwear are lightweight, form fitting essentials. The buttery, soft fabric molds to your body and stretches to twice its size. It's offered in a range of cuts and fits from underwear and bras to dresses, t shirts, and bodysuits. Available in size XXS to 4X and offered in nine core colorways and limited edition seasonal colors. I also have to say, I have not met a person alive who has tried this and not been like, I'm super into it. Nobody's no! indifferent. Everybody's like I love it. You just like you got to get there and try it. That's right. Believe the hype. The collection has over 90,000 five-star reviews for a reason. Skims fits everybody and more best-selling essentials are available now at skims.com. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75 all at skims.com.
0: I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you, from how to achieve optimal health and well-being, to the best beauty tips, and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode.
1: Breaking news alert. It was not originally programmed to be part of this episode. It was not on the slate, but it feels important to get ahead of it. And this is it the kids and some adults are saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The kids and people who you might say, oh, that girl or that boy, but who's actually an adult.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. They're saying, Riz. And it is short for charisma. So I just want to get this w- out of the way from the jump because I don't want to have to talk about it anymore. It sounds and is spelled entirely too much like jizz, and entirely for, too much. For that reason, seventy-five percent too close to jizz. <laughs> for <laughs> that reason, I have my concerns about whether or not it will ever truly break through and become like you know canon. But totally. A- According to the friend who shared it with me, it seems to have originated from, like, West Coast teens. It is definitely being used by a a subset of East Coast adults, though. How it was explained to me is I was being told a story about someone. And the woman was like, so then it turned out my other friend knew him. And she was like, I love that guy. Killer Riz. And if you can believe it, the story that I was being told wasn't even about the use of the word Riz. I had to stop and be like, what does that mean? And she was like, oh, means charisma, like it's a thing. She was like, yeah, we had to talk about it in my group chat. I was like, this is very important to me. I need to understand more about this. So my understanding was like, right, you describe someone as having like great riz, killer riz, or just riz, period. But then I received a screenshot this morning, an update from the front lines from this group text, which reported on a specific phrasing riz up, which means to hit on. So (laughs) this person wrote, my nephew's my nephews were using Riz in ways that I never could have dreamed of. They were like, Wesley was trying to Riz up Chrissy by being cool to us. So like Riz up somebody like, oh, you're trying to Riz me up? Like impress? Like, yes, basically. Or like butter up or just charm. 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 I I guess charm. But the (laughs) best part of this is the nephews who, like, introduced this phraseology did not know what charisma was or what it meant. Like, they were not aware of the word. They needed to be taught the root etymology of Riz completely. They were using they Riz left Riz and right. Yeah, but they and but they knew charisma. how to apply
0: it, but not charisma.
1: Exactly. It's like when there's, like, a reboot introduced and kids get really into it and they have no idea that it was based on, you know, a classic anything, movie or show. Anything before. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. don't total- know the antecedent.
1: They never know the exactly. antecedent. Exactly. So I just want everybody to know about it. I want to report back if other people already knew about it. And yeah.
0: I would like to hear more examples of this. I would like to more too.
1: applications. Maybe alternative spellings that aren't so evocative. Maybe we can start spelling it like people spell cash. You know what I mean? Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Something else we need to talk about minor mm-hmm. league baseball. Oh my gosh. You have gone to a couple Cyclones games. I've gone to one, but okay. in general, I've that made me realize that I have a soft spot for minor league baseball mm. in general, because I find it to, I think it is exactly what an American sporting event is mm. meant to be. Mm-hmm. Like, and not to be like stupidly like back in the day or like mm-hmm. nostalgic for things that didn't actually exist or mm-hmm. whatever. But this idea of just like, oh you go, you watch this game. It's fun. It's not like Mm -hmm. deeply competitive. Obviously, it's part of like a professional sports system, right? But it's not as laden with the like fantasy sports and the like $100 million contracts Mm -hmm. and the just like jumbotron of it all. Mm -hmm. It just feels like going to watch people play
1: a game. Totally. We had a minor league baseball team introduced in my hometown. I was probably in like, sixth grade or something. And it was a big Mm. deal because Wilmington does not have any major league sports teams to its name. So it has to glom on to all the Philly ones. And one thing that was very cool about it was that it meant like if there was a state championship for high school baseball or something, they would play at the minor league stadium. And it felt really legit. It was very fun and and shared the ease and accessibility and sort of simplicity that you are describing with also feeling like a very big deal if you got to do something there, like go to graduation or just like whatever it yeah. was, because it was the event real. Space. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: We had a minor league baseball team in Peoria as well. They were called the Peoria Chiefs. And the other day I looked to see if they had rebranded, you know, as they should have over mm-hmm. the last decade. They are still the Peoria Chiefs, but their mascot is a Dalmatian in a fire out like a fire <laughs> it's okay. person's outfit. So it is a fire chief, you see was the reference the entire
1: time. Yes, and I absolutely love it. Good for them. I do too. Good for them. Congrats to them. Congrats to them. Well, Chris had been also to a Cyclones game. You'd been to a Cyclones game. I'd never been to a Cyclones game. We took Cam over Memorial Day weekend because we had no plans. On a Saturday, I bought $15 tickets for for a Sunday It was so frictionless, everything about it, starting with buying $15 tickets the day before. And I know that because I've lived in New York City too long and the idea of something being easy holds way more appeal than it should. But I will also say the fact that something is this easy and in New York City is kind of remarkable. And so it's in Coney Island, Mm -hmm. which in general is a
0: delight. I also Mm -hmm. went to Coney Island over Memorial Day. And it's just like it is just a special New
1: York place like on the whole, Yes. But then there's this sporting team. There's this Which, events here. You Coney Island is pretty easy to get to via subway. But if you are driving, th- this is part of what really knocked my socks off. The parking lot is right next to the stadium. There's not like you're walking a mile from the parking lot to the stadium. The
0: parking lot. Also, is also, again, this is the perk of minor league baseball. We're yes. not. They're not being like pushed down to a lot that's yes. eight blocks away. Yeah. Yes.
1: Parking lot for the stadium is one. It's all day parking and you're right next to the boardwalk. So you can go to this game, leave your beach gear in the trunk of your car, leave the game, pick up the gear, go to the beach, have an ice cream cone, ride a ride, go home. It is the other
0: wonderful. Let me just, I have one additional pitch to add to this. At Coney Island, you can buy a wristband to ride a bunch of rides Mm -hmm. or you can buy tickets for a single ride. So you can just buy tickets to ride the Thunderbolt and do that once and ride a legit roller coaster. That's cool. It was so easy.
1: It was like living in the suburbs. It was great. Tell me about your game experience. Oh, God, it was so lovely. So as you know, it was incredibly easy getting there. There were cheerleaders, which I hadn't thought about, but Cam was very excited about them. I was charmed by them because they are very enthusiastic and not at all ambitious. I could have been a cheerleader. The merch is very cute. The various permutations of the Brooklyn Cyclones logo is cute. They have a cute mascot named Sandy the Seagull. Cam has Mm. now requested to be Sandy the Seagull for Halloween, which is huge for us because up until now, wanted to be Glinda for a second year in a row. And I would say my favorite part was King Henry. Was King Henry there when you were there? Yes, he was. Okay. I did some research into King Henry and I have some questions. I didn't get all of the answers. So to me, King Henry seemed like the true mascot is this guy in a red blazer. He's dressed sort of like not an umpire, but like what, like some sort of efficient, like a... Coach or something, but then he's wearing a king's crown, hat, like, crown, hat. yeah, like a puffy crown. When we first got there, I just thought he might have been like an overzealous and overserved fan because he was definitely a little drunk. <laughs> and he's funny because he's like a weathered, classic sort of Staten Island looking dude. It is entirely unclear what the re- like what a king has to do with the Cyclones. And I what I got. To the Don't, bottom, It's none of your business. Yeah. He's basically the MC and like the hype man of the he's game. hype man. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He's right, like right. the bar mitzvah hype man. And the guy that I saw was not the original King Henry. So the original King Henry was this guy, Guy Zoda, who spent 17 seasons as an on-field entertainer and community ambassador for the Brooklyn Cyclones, who in 2022 left to fill the same role for the fledgling Staten Island Ferry Hawks for their inaugural season. So this guy is a New Dorp president and father of two. He started out as a magician in the 1990s before latching on with the minor league ball club in 2003. He moonlighted with the Staten Island Yankees in 2005 and 2006. He was basically burnout. He wasn't happy with the way his contract was renegotiated during the pandemic, and he left. So I have no clue. Oh, so there
0: was a contract. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Uh Maybe he went from an employee to, like, a contractor during the pandemic when they were having to make cuts. I don't know, but I... There's a new guy and I need someone to report on it because several local outlets reported on this guy's retirement. And this new guy, I don't know where he came from, what his deal is or if he's he's second gen. He's second gen.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the Staten Island Yankees. In 2018, the Staten Island Yankees, which is the other New York minor league baseball team, Mm -hmm. did a fan vote for an alternative name and the name Pizza Rats
1: won. Why did they do a fan vote for an alternative name? Who's why?
0: I think if you're in the shadow of the Yankees in New York. So like, was do the idea that it.
1: they were going to actually rename it or it was going to be kind of like Bronx Bombers where it's like a nickname?
0: No, they like for the
1: season for certain games that season, they were the Pizza Rats. But was the idea that if they'd gotten a name that was not the Pizza Rats that they would have like actually renamed the team?
0: I, I think it was a bit of a stunt marketing thing. Okay. It was a bit of a way to like You're generate like, interest. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was a way to like, listen, yeah. how much Staten Island Yankees gear are you going to sell? Not that much. Great point. People are going to buy New York Yankees gear. Great so point. they're trying to be like, yeah. what can we own? Mm-hmm. What can be ours? Yeah. What can like be our thing? Yeah. Um, we want something for ourselves. Yeah. And so they made Pizza Rats merch. They did the whole thing and they like really leaned into it. I thought it was super delightful because like, Pizza Rat is a good mascot. I agree. I love it. A
1: hardworking rat who
0: perseveres and wins.
1: That rat is a winner. He made people so happy. And he united people. And he is a true representative of New York. Absolutely.
0: Agreed. The Yankees, the, the New York Yankees, did not like this at all. This is their sort of offshoot team. This is their single, I think, single A team, or was. Mm-hmm. June 15th, 2018, email, Yankees Chief Operating Officer Lon Trost said the club had absolute disdain over the now defunct Staten Island Yankees decision to honor the infamous rodent who went viral for pulling a grimy pizza slice down the subway staircase in 2015. The emails were released as evidence in a breach of contract lawsuit filed in state court in December 2020 by Staten Island Yankees owners, Nostalgic Partners, against the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball, because they were basically canned. And eventually, and part of their
1: canning was attributed to this it's, Pizza Rats. It sign. seems so. It seems so. Whoa. It seems so. Because they thought it
0: was like disrespectful to the Yankees to be, to like, they thought it was too lighthearted or oh, something. Oh my
1: God, people are the worst.
0: It's crazy. I love the Pizza Rats, and there's still some Pizza Rats merch available online on eBay and stuff. Not enough, if you ask me. Yeah. I had a dream sometime last summer about God knows why. Like I apparently was thinking a lot about gender and sports, Mm -hmm. but my dream was making minor league baseball co-ed and that that would just make it more like compelling and cool. Mm -hmm. And there's so many conversations, obviously about like why do women, men and women need to have separate sports Mm -hmm. and obviously the transgender sports conversations and all of this. And this just felt like, a great way to have a sort of, like, genderless sporting experience. Yes. Yeah. I Genderful, I'd
1: say. It's not genderless. It's gender-less. It's more, Thank you. You're just
0: adding more gender to, to the mix. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for borrowing the Boy Smell's Candle language <laughs> yes. genderful. I think that is perfect. The seed of this might have been planted by this one-season baseball show called Pitch mm-hmm. from Dan Fogelman of This Is Us fame about the first female Major League Baseball player starring Kylie Bunbury, who's now on Big Sky, I think, and Mark Paul Gosselaar and Ali Larder as the agent. Like, mm. perfect, perfect agent. Did
1: you watch This Is Us? Some
0: of it. The first yeah, couple Yeah, I, th- I thought you yeah. did.
1: I just, yeah. It was just like a memory from a past life <laughs> that you did that. <laughs> well, I really like both Mandy
0: Moore and Mila Ventimiglia. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really like Mark Paul Gossler and Ali Larder. And this Kylie Bunbury plays a pitcher and Mark Paul Gossler plays like the aging sort of like crotchety catcher, but he ends up being the one to sort of like nurture her, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: There's also, according to you and according to these show notes, an NBA minor league. Yes. So when Thomas and I were watching an NBA playoff game, we were talking about why it is,
0: why the NBA doesn't have nearly as prominent a minor league system. And it turns out they've only had one at all since 2001. Mm. which was originally called the National Basketball Development League and then became the NBA D League and then became the NBA G League.
1: Well, Claire, tell us why. Explain why
0: the G stands for Gatorade.
1: Okay, but (laughs) NBA D League was such
0: a bad name. I agree. I agree. I do not think D League was the answer. Like
1: B League. B League. Just a B League. because there's already it's a, it's basketball. So yeah, it doesn't yeah, even have yeah, yeah, to stand totally. for like A versus B. It's just the B League. Although though, it inherently. Started. Of course. But it also but is. is not but, better. But no, I mean, no, no, no. nobody's upset about minor league. And that's kind of offensive if you're really. That yeah, true. That's true. So Let's just call it the B League and be done with or it. or the G League. <laughs> that is somehow better to me. I'm glad. Listen, get that money. Make your money.
0: I love Gatorade, so I support them.
1: (laughs) Is what I will say. I wanted you to know Mm -hmm. that Wilmington has a team. You know, the Delaware Blue Coats. I am not at all surprised. Wilmington loves basketball. Wilmington has a WNBA star, Elena Deladonna. I'm also not surprised that it's called the Delaware Blue Coats because. The minor league baseball team is the Blue Rocks, and the state school mascot is the Blue Hens. So we've got a whole thing going on. We here. have to do this whole blue thing. That's the yeah. only option we have. But the, the explanations have nothing to do with one another. You looked this up, that the Blue Coats was an homage to the 1st Delaware Regiment, also known as the Delaware Blues, and their key in the American looked Revolution. You that up. Oh, I, I did, did not. I wrote that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But hold up, well, because I was like, because Chris had asked me recently, he's like, what's with the blue thing? And I was like, I don't know. The blue rocks was chosen because of the blue granite found along the Brandywine River in Wilmington. And then the blue hen, which is the University of Delaware mascot, is because in the Revolutionary War, the Delaware regiment contained eight companies. One was led by Captain Jonathan Caldwell, who owned a farm in the Kent County town of Felton. Caldwell was fond of cockfighting and brought along some blue hens. So these are all a stretch. These are all a stretch. Wilmington likes the color blue and let's
0: just go with it. It's like quite I odd. do not accept any of these explanations. Yeah. OK,
1: so I yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I was disappointed to learn that Peoria does not have an NBA G League team. Instead, there are the Windy City Bulls, which mm. is based in the Hoffman Estates, Illinois suburb, like a Chicago suburb. OK, OK, Windy City Bulls. Mm hmm is associated with the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Windy City is just a nickname for Chicago. Because they're like, well, <laughs> dude, we're not going to call us the Hoffman Estates Bulls. True. So do something better. Do better.
1: Would you say that the Blue Coats is better? Yes. Okay. Good. I, Great. In the same way that G
0: League is better than D League. <laughs> right. Like, absolutely. It's that level no of contest.
1: It's, it's not that, ca- No contest. It's that. No contest. That caliber. I wanted to quickly, as uh, per listener request, Talk about magnesium, which yes. came up a bunch in our Instagram thingies roundup a couple of weeks ago, which we have this weird phenomenon that is like not fully explainable that we have these like trends week by week in Instagram thingies. One thing will come up multiple times, even before it's like been posted. six times. Yeah. yeah. Where it's not even people are glomming on because they saw it. It's just like multiple no. people say it at once before we've even posted anything. It's quite odd. And one of those things that week was magnesium. Which like they're not things that are trending topics <laughs> no, either. They're just... Correct. Yes, just to get that out of the way. This it's not like whatever's happening. It's It's not not about succession. succession. Yes, exactly. I remember somebody specifically was like, I love popping a magnesium in a stressful moment throughout the day or something, which was interesting to me. So my history with magnesium is I started taking it as a migraine preventative because apparently it's good for that. And years ago we talked about this on the podcast that I had been taking specifically this liquid magnesium called Remag, and it really did help. The problem is it tastes so disgusting. It tastes like poison. I tried it,
0: Claire, and it is, I could not do it.
1: It tastes like poison and it's its supposed to help this specific type of, of magnesium and I think also the form it being in liquid. It's supposed to help with absorption and also not upset your stomach, which like asterisk that we'll get to the upset stomach later. But you have to either like mask it with orange juice or dilute it in a ton of water. And I was able to do that for a while. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, I can't do this. It's just, I'm too sensitive to tastes. So I kind of fell off the magnesium train But it kept coming up a lot in the years since because I think in large part because of, do you know that brand Calm, not the meditation app, but it's like a powdered magnesium. And I feel like especially- That is what I know people swear by. Yeah. And especially as sleep became a hotter topic, wellness topic, this brand Calm was being like, take this at night basically to help you sleep. And it's powdered magnesium that you mix into water. When I started having sleep issues in the last couple of years as- did everybody else. I had some old pills laying around cuz Joe Holder when I was training for the marathon had recommended that I take magnesium I think for muscle cramping. And so I was like, okay, I have this old bottle laying around. I'm going to try this to hopefully get better sleep because I'll try anything at this point. And it really helped and it did remind me also that it is also good for migraines. I really felt like it was helping with sleep and it was definitely decreasing the migraines. And then I did that thing that you do sometimes with vitamins where for whatever reason a couple days in a row you stop taking it. And I realized it was like my anxiety levels had really risen and I didn't have a good explanation for it. And I was like, oh, I think the magnesium, like I didn't realize it, but was really helping with anxiety and calm and just general mood. And I think also probably PMS to some extent. And I had been in a good mood for a while and I was just sort of riding it of being like, I'm in a good mental health space right now and I'm gonna just appreciate that. It's me.
0: It's just me. It's just me. No outside
1: factors here. In retrospect, I think the magnesium had given me like, or has been giving me like this sort of like microscopic bump. The thing I need to say about magnesium and people asked about this in our DMs, it has a laxative effect. You have to figure out what the right amount for you is. You also have to like start small and sort of build up. For some people, that's like the intended benefit is they're like, I can't poop. I- this will help. So there's right, that. Right, right. There's a bunch of different types of magnesiums on the market. And the two main ones are citrate versus glycinate. And I am not an expert, but that my understanding is that the citrate has more of a laxative effect than the glycinate. And the citrate is more recommended for people with migraines and the glycinate mm-hmm is more recommended for people who want it for like anxiety or insomnia. And to be honest, like this field, that research feels a little dicey to me. I'm like, take whatever you like. I honestly have both just because I didn't know the difference and I mix it up. Maybe give it a shot. Ask your doctor. doctor.
0: Yeah. Ask your doctor. May we talk briefly about overhosting? Oh my gosh. Um, Something which we are both prone to do. You know, the topic of entertaining or having people over or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. has come up on this podcast a lot. And it has also come up in the, on this podcast, near
1: conversations about anxiety. Mm. Uh-huh. Often. Yes.
0: Often. Um, Skills so related.
1: We, this was recently, we had friends over. We had invited some friends over and we were like, just it's going to be super low key, like for pizza. And I happened to have some extra time on my hands during the day that, that they were coming over. And so I was like, oh, I'll do a little balsamic drizzle. Oh, I've got some burrata. Let's plop that in the middle. It was too much. It was too much. And Chris afterwards was like, you didn't need to do that. And it, you're over hosting. And I think it kind of makes people uncomfortable because these people like came over being like, this is going to be a super relaxed pizza hang. And then they feel like maybe they didn't bring enough and they feel like maybe they have to stay for longer than they were planning on staying. And it's just like, they think it needs a, to be more of a thing yeah. because you've made it a thing. And the term over hosting, it was like a light bulb moment for me where I was like, oh, I do this all the time. And I then I'm like, Filing back through my memory of other hangs that I've hosted that have been maybe just slightly off in some way. And almost all of them I could chalk up to over Also, almost all of them were people who don't know me that well, like newish mm. friends who don't know what a neurotic idiot I am and that i you know, <laughs> insist on making blue cheese dra- dip for every fucking event. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was like, "Oh right, it's like I'm like trying to and I'm making this into something when the whole vibe is like, let's just become closer friends, hang out, come over, let's get pizza, to know MBD.
0: each
1: other." Well, and, maybe they are getting to know you through overhosting. Maybe <laughs> I mean that is the real me. And I will say that when we were talking about all of this, I was like, "This feels related to cringe in some way because it's like, are you overhosting because it comes too naturally?" Or over you overhosting because you're trying too hard? And like, honestly, you never know with me. Sometimes it's both. This (laughs) is the thing. This is the thing, too, that I don't know about myself.
0: Yeah. But I am starting to think that overhosting is worse than underhosting. I think you might be right. Like, it just adds stress and anxiety and not just for the person who is performing overhosting, but for everyone else who's like, Jesus fucking Christ what is this and why is there running around and why is there a tablescape for this event
1: and I couldn't possibly return the favor of having you over to my house because I'm not going to do this much. I'm not hosting. doing this yes I am not doing yes, this. yes. it's yes. like that's another huge problem with it is it's setting a tone of like now when you come over I feel ex- like the expectation is that I'm going to do all this right because you it raised it for the bar me.
0: in a way that you don't mean to it's and a problem it just makes everybody worse
1: god yeah, everything worse. we are doing really important service by naming <laughs> it I just feel like on the fly we're like making <laughs> some discoveries. About it. I, I'm proud of us. This is a, pr- a proud moment in podcasting. I also just think
0: that there's something about the anxiety of having people over that I, really resonates and has become more of a thing over the last couple of years. And I think obviously part of this is pandemic mm-hmm. related, right? Mm-hmm. Of being like not used to doing it and then yeah. doing it again. But there's also just something about the time. It is remarkable how much a cup of joe content there is about having people over in an easy, stress free yes. way. It is like it, 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 crazy. Uh-huh. It's, Dinner party tips from 15 Genius hosts. What easy dinners do you make when friends come over? How to host a mildly chaotic brunch? What are your tips for hosting an easy birthday party? Strategic starters for a dinner party. A very easy dinner party. Like you can feel mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. anxiety.
1: they started doing this thing, which is very smart on Cup of Joe, where they post comp- reader comments because the, the reader comments are so good. And they posted something that didn't have to do with necessarily with hosting. Well, it's kind of really... They posted a comment that I thought also really encapsulated what we are getting out here. Someone wrote... When someone invites me into their messy house, I think, yes, I've crossed over into real friend territory. Real friends let you see their less than perfect lives. One time a new friend served me wine in a random little tumbler that they probably also used for water or milk. And I felt so loved. I knew then that they weren't trying to impress me. We were just having fun and enjoying each other's company. Whenever someone shows me their unfiltered life, I feel like we become family. And I was like, that gets a-, a major part of what is a problem with overhosting is you're not sending that signal. It really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, you've crossed a new level of intimacy when you invite someone over to their mess to your messy home or you serve them wine and shitty cup yes 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 yeah I also the word easy comes up in a lot of these headlines
0: mm. and it's like we all want to it to be easy but also to as people be easy
1: remember the Gwyneth cookbook it's all easy
0: yeah, of course Claire <laughs> of course
1: <laughs> but then
0: if you like me or someone who will read countless lists of how to be easy that is not easy
1: <laughs> it is just not
0: That's- this
1: is where the cringe of it all comes in. Like, maybe you just got to lean into yourself.
0: Alison Roman is definitely the queen of this kingdom of being like, just be easy about it. Mm -hmm. Don't be so much. Just calm down. But then I also do feel like maybe with that, the whole like dining in, like Mm -hmm. whatever, like of it all does maybe put more pressure on to get it right. Because clearly Mm -hmm. this is not an like there's effort involved. If you have a cookbook that you're referencing about having people <laughs> right. over, it's not like it's, you're just throwing out pieces and chips. There's like more going on here. It's that like striking the perfect balance thing that right. made me wonder is being the cool host being the new cool girl mm. a la
1: Gone Girl. Like it's really, the pick me girl.
0: It's the pick me girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah, right.
1: maybe. Who knows? Who knows?
0: Who knows? Who knows? Who
1: knows? You brought up something that felt like also a light bulb moment to me, which is that the snacks to which we are accustomed.
0: Yeah. So when we hang out with our Scandal Club Mm -hmm. crew, the menu is always the snacks to which we are accustomed, Mm -hmm. which in our case means like olives and chips and like some sort of fruit to nibble Mm -hmm. at and cheese Mm -hmm. and maybe like a meat. But like it's all snacks. It's all like very clearly snacks. There's often Um, popcorn. It's a family. It's a very store-bought is fine Mm -hmm. thing. And I think that by setting that tone, there's no no one, like whenever we hang out, there's no expectation of like, should I make a frittata for this? It's like, no, I am buying snacks and we are having snacks for dinner and everyone's going to like eat more cheese than they would on a normal night.
1: Yes. I, I couldn't find it, but I actually think years ago to bring this back to Cup of Joe that they published a post that basically pitched a snacks for dinner dinner party as like an easy weeknight way of having people over for dinner. And you're really good at having people over for dinner on a weeknight or you do it a lot more I than I do. I, I, I like, think couldn't, that's true. Yeah. My neurotic self could like barely dream of it. And but I do think it never stresses me out to have Scandal Club over on a weeknight because I'm just assembling snacks. I love the idea of having people over for dinner on a weeknight. Maybe if I just told people come over for dinner, we'll do a snack spread. I would do it more often because it's incredibly easy. I do also like the point you're making about the uniformity of every You you sort of set the uniform dressing of it all with certain friend groups.
0: Yes, exactly. It's like making it a thing with certain people that you always like order Thai food or mm-hmm. you get pizza or you eat snacks for dinner or you make a soup or like whatever. You, whatever or for frittata is. or something easy. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like, but that's what you do. You're the like Thai takeout crew and that is what you do. It You're also my sheet pan
1: you, friend. Yeah, <laughs> totally,
0: totally. And it also just means that when different people are hosting, it's not crazy for people to like cover the Thai food because they know it's going to be covered next time or like whatever mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. too.
0: It just- Okay. The other thing I really like about this is that it gives a sense of ritual and custom mm-hmm. that always solidifies the friend group that's in the true. same way
1: that just you have like, an inside joke now.
0: Yeah. You have an inside thing. It's like the same way that like having calling this group Scandal Club mm-hmm. like solidifies yeah. it. It's like it is Scandal Club and the snacks to which we are accustomed. Yes, that's right. Okay. Send your thoughts. That's the show.